Same situation here in chapter 14. The elders of Israel are coming to Ezekiel to inquire, and look what they're saying to him. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me and sat before me, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face. Should I be inquired of by, uh, at all by them? Therefore speak unto them, uh, thus saith the Lord God. Now look at this thing. Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I the Lord will answer him, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. That I, may make, uh, that I may take the house of Israel in their own heart because they are all estranged from me through their idols. Drop down to verse 8. Verse 7. Let's read it. Now verse 6. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, Repent and turn yourselves from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abominations for every one of the house of Israel or of the stranger that sojourns in Israel, which, look at this now, separateth himself from me and setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet to inquire of concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. Now look at that, verse 8. I will set my face against that man and will make him a sign and a proverb and I will cut him off from the midst of my people and ye shall know that I, the Lord, am, uh, that I am the Lord. If the prophet be deceived when he has spoken a thing, I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. I will stretch out mine hand upon him and will destroy him from the midst of my people Israel. You say, Dave... Why are there so many religions? Dave, why are there so many denominations? Why does this church teach this? Why does this church teach that? Verse 9. If the prophet be deceived, I, the Lord, deceived him. There is no Mormon says God called me to go here or there. God really did. But it wasn't for good. Do you realize all these poor guys that are Mormons running around going on the way to hell for what they believe? Do you realize all the little boys? Do you know why God let them be deceived? Because they had a whole bunch of idols in their heart and they wanted to be deceived. Do you realize God said if you want to believe a lie, God will give you a lie to believe? And he'll also get you somebody to teach you that lie? These are hard words. Who can receive them? You ain't know, come to God. Carry in all the idols. You know what you do? If you say, no, Lord, I'll give you my life, but Lord, you can't have my social life. God, I'll give you my job. I'll give you my home, my wife, my kids, my marriage. But Lord, I like my Friday nights. You know what God will say? God says, fine. I'll take whatever you give me. But you know what? I'll only answer you and take care of you and let you grow 
as per the idols in your heart. You know what Israel did? They brought all the gods of Egypt with them. You know what they did? They got out in the wilderness, got at Mount Sinai. What happened? Moses is 40 days up in the mount. What did they do? Moses is dead. Let's build ourselves a golden calf and go back to Egypt. Right? Took all the gods and melted them down. Took all the gold. Took all the jewelry. Melted them down. And what happened? Had themselves a calf-making party. You know what God did? God said, Moses, take, grind the calf up, put him in the brook, and make them all drink their gold mixed with water. After they got done drinking that brook probably dry, imagine that gold kind of oily on top, having to drink that thing, and then God drawn a line and taking 3,000 or a bunch of the Levites with him and saying, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And everyone didn't cross the line. The Levites took their swords and 3,000 people died that day because they weren't on the Lord's side. Jews, their own brothers. You see, when God talks about this thing of serving Him, God's serious. God's serious. And you say, Dave, why are you talking about this now? I don't know. All I can do is tell you this. The next couple years till he comes, you know what my job is? To teach you how to kill giants. You know what I'm looking for? You know what these Bible studies are here for? I am here as exposure looking for children of Israel who are tired of the world, tired of playing games, and want to go to the promised land. You know what we're going to do? These Bible studies are for? We're sending out spies. And we're giving you each week a little glimpse of what it's like. This week's kind of tough. The last weeks have been nothing but eat, 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 feed, feed, feed. Just sirloin steaks every night. You know what God's looking for? God's looking for one or two or three of you in here that's going to say, Hey, I'm tired of playing games for God. It's time to go and possess the land and get that millennial inheritance and live in a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what your pastor is to do? To teach you how to use your sword and to kill giants in your life. That's your pastor's job. And if you ain't seen any giants die in your life in the last couple of years, your pastor's failing or you're failing. Either you're listening to him and he's not doing it, or you're, not, you're, you're rejecting what he's saying, and it's your fault then. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You know what God did? How many disciples were there that followed Jesus? Twelve. That was a loud response. Twelve. You know what God did? God took those twelve men and gave me a picture of the church. I got a message of preaching this. It's just, it's, it, it, it's neat. You know how those 12 men break down? Do my arithmetic, my subtraction here. There were three men that saw everything that God did. Who were they? Peter, James, and John. 
They saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were with him when he was betrayed. They were stones throw away while everybody else was down at the bottom of the mountain. They went with him when he raised Tabitha. They were with him all the time. Saw people get raised in the dead. They saw all his miracles. They saw him transformed. They were there when Moses and Elijah met him on the mount. Peter was the one that said, let us raise up three tabernacles, right? So there was 12 of them. You take those three boys away and you're down to nine, right? One of those old boys, Judas Iscariot, was a phony, wasn't he? You know what that tells me? Out of every church, there's 12 groups. One twelfth of everybody in the church is a complete fraud and a phony. You know what else it tells me? Eight of them are sincere, but they don't know him well enough. They miss all the action. They never see Moses and Elijah on the mount. They never see Jesus Christ in the second coming glory. You know what they see? They have to bomb the hill saying, where is he going? Well, he's going to pray tonight. Well, he's going to be up in the aisle out praying. And boy, all he does is talk to the Lord. Boy, he must be awful lost sin in his life when he prays all the time. Right? You know what happened? Three of those old boys saw it all. That means three out of twelve in the church, in, in as far as types go. You know what they're going to do? They're going to be in there all the way. But you know what happened when they came down to the place? Will you, will you follow me tonight, Peter? Lord, I'll die for you. What happened? Everybody left him but one, John. You know what that tells me? One out of twelve in the church will die for Jesus. One out of twelve will go all the way to the cross. No matter what the cost, no matter what the, what the penalty, they'll go all the way with the Savior. You know what I know here tonight? We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That's a good way to take attendance, isn't it? Fifteen of us here tonight. What that tells me? Out of our fifteen here tonight, we got one person who go all the way to the cross with Christ. We got about three or four of you here that really mean business for Jesus Christ. We got one person here who's just playing games, complete phony and a clean, complete fraud. We got the rest of you here that are never gonna, never gonna find it. You're gonna stay out there in the outer rim, and you're gonna miss it all. Fortunately, it's not predestined. You have a say so. You got to say so. You know what we gotta do? We gotta take. And not only take Appleton City and Ohio and Sinclair County and win it to Christ, which will happen, and I'm not too much worried about it. With that, God, God will give us the ones that need to get saved. You know what we got to do? We got to find the Peters, the Jameses, and the Johns. I don't want many Judas Iscariots. You know what they do? They like to run the preacher. You know what they do? They like to run the church. They like to lead the singing and give the announcements where everybody can see them. They like to carry the purse and be the treasurer. Yeah. They do, don't they? They like the preeminence. They like everybody to see them knocking on doors when they do it once a year. Don't they? Everybody knows that they go visiting. They always take the preacher with them when they go. Nobody else, just the preacher. Right? friend I don't know a lot of your lives I don't know many of your lives I want to tell you something 
if you can think back to a time in your life when you got on your face before God and you said, God, I understand my sins have separated me and my God. I understand that I should be bust a hole in hell so big it'd take the devil a year to patch a thing up. I understand, God, I should be burning right now because of my sin. But you gave me a way out and a sacrifice, and Jesus Christ took my place on that cross. And you made him Lord of your life some time ago. And if you can think back right now to that time, then you came out of Egypt. Now let me ask you a question for those of you that have been saved. We may have some here that aren't saved. I don't know. But if you've come out of Egypt, let me ask you a question. Are you at the place where maybe you sent the spies out and you're looking at the thing? Or have you years ago said, nah, I like it where I'm at. Not in the world and not where God wants me. You know how many Christians are in limbo? They never get that abundant life and they can't go out and party. Because what the preacher will think. Right? Isn't that right? You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians? If this thing we're doing is false, we of all men are most miserable. Do you realize how much fun I've missed by living clean? Do you realize what, pardon me, you realize what kind of trouble I could cause and what kind of partying I could do if, if there's no God in heaven? Ain't it really dumb to live clean and miss the whole purpose of living clean? Ain't that dumb? I don't know. I never figured a thing out. I've watched Christians for years. And I've watched them confronted with that thing. What they say? I like my limbo. Oh, I drink a beer every once in a while. You, beer is good for you. It's better than Coke. You all heard it. You've all heard them. You know, and you hear all their excuses. My friend, I don't know you tonight. I, I don't have anything to sell you. I don't have anything to gain by you tonight. All I'm asking you tonight from this book, and I did not premeditate tonight. I took off talking about types, and God led us here. This book says if you're saved, you're bought with a price. You're not your own. This book says that because of sin, a child of God's life will be shortened. This book says that because of sin, Christians are sick. This book says that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. If you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit tonight, you've got His earnest. You're saved and you know it. And you've come out of Egypt. My friend, why don't we go get a 10-pound grape tonight? My friend, why don't we go find some figs, stick our hand down in a honeycomb, and just put it to our chops? Do you really like sand that much? Do you really like wandering around out there in the wilderness waiting to die? I don't. Hey, I've seen what's over, over the river. I've seen what God's prepared. You say, how? Some nights about 3 o'clock in the morning. God's let me see between the lines. What the Bible calls that? Understanding. The Bible calls that? Wisdom and knowledge. 
Bible says they'll preserve you. They'll, they'll promote you. You see, sometimes about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, just me and this old book, God's giving me some glimpses of eternity. God's giving me some ideas. Now, I'm not saying I have any visions. I'm just saying, I've seen what God's got. I've been living this old Christian life now most of my life. I got real serious about it here about, um, all about eight, nine years ago. And I've seen what it's like to live in the promised land. My friend, you couldn't give me anything make me go back. There ain't a giant big enough that make me make, raise us up a captain and go back to the world. Believe you me, I've been out in strange cities where nobody know what I did. I've been out there gone with nobody around. And I could have seen all I wanted to. Nobody knew all about it. But you know something? He would. You know why? Do you know what keeps me? It's not some what my mom taught me. Although she raised me pretty good, I think. Not from the problem. I'm biased. It's not what the preacher said. Do you know why I don't party on Friday nights? Because I've seen eternity. Do you know why I won't go back to all the lushes out there? I beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you know why I'm not going to go back? He died for me. He got me a mansion up there. I'm going to spend eternity if I suffer and live righteously, ruling and judging angels. I'm going for it. I'm going for it. I nailed one of those 10-pound grapes here about seven years ago, man, and I ain't never gone back since. When you've had angels food, my friend, the old world's food isn't any good anymore. No way in the world you can go back. Try a little corn from heaven tonight, my friend. I didn't mean to preach. Didn't, didn't intend to preach. I'm sorry if I offended you. No, I'm not. Take out that. You know, I learned a long time ago. You know what that book does? That book is called a sword. I don't have my sword on me. I have a little, I have a little pocket knife. I was going to use a little, a little uh, demo here. You take a knife. What is a knife for except to cut and divide things? That makes sense. Did you ever pick your nose with your knife? That's not smart, is it? No, it's not. The only thing a knife... You like that one, didn't you, Roger? Roger's probably tried it. No. <laughs> Did you ever do anything with a knife except cut? No. no? You know what this book does? Without exception, it divides. You know what you're doing out there? I know you. I preach some. I, I just, I got so I can just look in your eyes and tell what's going on in, behind there. You know what? Some of you are sitting there tonight and you say, what kind of galls that kid got? A lot of it, huh? You know, some of you back are thinking, 
You think, where'd this guy come from? This guy real? I ain't come here not to get hollered at. I'm not said much except what this book says. Man, is this book, has this been hard to understand tonight? Any passage I've read, you know, has it been hard to understand? Huh. I've not explained it to you. We read it. God made all his own uh, uh, parallels, didn't he? Let me ask you a question. Unfortunately tonight, each one of us are here. It's not unfortunate we're here, it's unfortunate why we're here. And there's going to be two reactions, three reactions here tonight. First reaction is, Lord, I want that promised land. Lord, I want what you got for me. I want things my eyes have never seen, my ears have never heard, and has never entered the heart of man. I want those things you prepared. We got this little idea of heaven of being a little gold street with a big white wrought iron fence and a gate with Peter standing there and everybody floating around in clouds with a harp, haven't we? Is that the idea we got of heaven? I promise you, my friend, that's so far from the truth. Heaven, my friend, heaven, my friend, is going to be something that you're never going to stop rejoicing. You're going to have such joy, such peace. You're going to be doing exactly what you were made to do. And to top it off, if you're in the church and you're saved tonight, I don't mean baptizers, I mean if you're saved in God's body, you're going to be married to God. And I can't explain it to you tonight, my friend, but I know that when a man and a woman get married, they become one flesh. And God quits seeing two people, He then sees one. And somehow, this old ding-dong is going to be one with God. And I can't explain it to you. All I know is He's going to give me His mind and give me His body. And I'm going to zip around the universe having a great time, man. I know I'm going to go to a feast called the Millennium and I'm going to eat for about a million years, a thousand years. When I get done eating, I'm going to take me and some friends and we're going to go sightseeing and I want to go see how many moons Jupiter really does have. And I'm going to go see exactly what it's like, man, and I'm going to have some fun. And I'm also going to rule over some universes. Because that old Jew in the Millennium, he ain't ever going to quit having kids. And there'll be no more death. There'll be nothing but, but spiritual Jews out there in eternity. And somebody's got to rule over them. It's going to be me and my Lord. For I reckon that the sufferings, this pre the sufferings, the sufferings this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. If you suffer with Christ, you reign with Christ. If you deny Him, I won't go on because that opens us on the sore. My friend tonight, it's promised land. That promised land is not up there, it's right here. That promised land is you going into your life and taking the sword and going in and finding the, the, uh, the, uh, the giant of greed and killing that dude and getting rid of him and dragging him out. Going in and finding the giant of self and killing that rascal and dragging him out. 
going into your life, my friend, and finding the city of Ai and watching the walls fall and taking the inhabitants and the fruit and the riches of that war. And you know what you can find yourself in a short period of time? You can find yourself living yourself a life unheard of. You can find yourself living a life like you couldn't imagine. You know what? You'll wake up one morning and you'll see the hand of God on your life. Do you know what it's like to get up and speak and watch people walk down an aisle and give their hearts to God because of something you said? Hey, it's not me. It's the power of God resting on a man. You know you get the power of God? Holiness. Believe in what He said. Hey, friend, it's extraordinary to see God using you and say, why me? I know me, Lord. I'm not worth using. And then you look at your life and you can't believe what He's doing. It's extraordinary. D.L. Moody said, it's never been seen what man, what God can do with a totally sold out man to God. And he said, I'm going to be that man. And when he was laying on his deathbed, he said, the world's still never seen what God can do with a totally sold out man. But I promise you, old D.L. Moody, who was never a reverend, <laughs> made his mark on Chicago. And there's a lot of people in heaven right now because of D.L. Moody. And he's up there sitting at the right hand of his father or sitting up there with, with, with his Savior enjoying the glory that he earned. See, God's not one of these gods that makes you do something for nothing. Everything you do down here, God's going to give you a hundredfold for. But you see, there's a, there's a principle taught. Second John says, look to yourselves that you lose not those things which you've wrought. I don't quite figure the whole thing out. All I know the Bible seems to teach that if you serve God for a while and then turn around and walk away and get back out there in Egypt or run around the wilderness a while, you lose all the things you did, all the hours you spent, all the time you love. The Bible seems to teach that there's somebody out there in the book of Proverbs trying to steal the things you got trying to make you take your eyes off the Savior. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3 and I'll wrap this thing up. Colossians chapter 3.